0: Thank you, Amanda and Terry and music folks and everyone making worship possible this morning. Those are challenging words of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew echoed in other places. And uh, we continue our series on home improvement. This morning we're looking at four principles for better relationships, and, uh, and Paul does more to expound on what Jesus said in these uh, beautiful but practical and certainly challenging words from Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, then give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts And minds this morning. Well, as I said, we continue our series on home improvement with biblical principles. This morning, we're looking at four principles for better relationships. Heard this story told by John Ertberg, a true story of this uh, volunteer umpire by the name of Dave Hagler, who lived in Denver, Colorado. And uh, it was a snowy winter day, near Denver and um, Dave Hagler was driving down the interstate didn't notice that the speedometer was creeping up to he got about 15 miles an hour over the speed limit and just what he noticed he saw the lights flashing in his mirror and so he pulled over and the police officer walked up to the car knocked on the window and Dave Hagler uh, this volunteer umpire rolled down the window and he said listen I'm so sorry I was speeding I did not realize how fast I was going. I, I never speed. Please don't give me a ticket. I don't want my insurance to go up. And the police officer had no mercy. And instead of giving me a warning, gave Dave Hagler a ticket for speeding. Well, winter gave way to spring and the uh, spring baseball season. And Dave Hagler was a volunteer umpire for a minor league. And uh, first game of the season, National Anthem played, and Dave Hagler was behind the plate. And who do you know stepped up first into that batter's box but that police officer. And the police officer looked back at Dave Hagler, the Empire, and recognized him and said, how did that ticket go for you? And the umpire said, you better swing at everything. <laughs> Isn't that so true to our lies? Revenge, how sweet revenge can be. But Paul, and certainly Jesus, would ask us to cite a little higher this morning. And so I want to walk through these principles. And uh, I think for all of us, we can relate to that. And uh, Jesus actually puts the the target even higher for us, the bar even higher for us. And so I want to walk through this. And and the first thing to say is that we've been in Romans 12 a little bit. We took a break last week and look at uh, five love languages on Mother's Day. But we started out in Romans 12, which I would say people sometimes say, what's the most practical chapter in the Bible? And I'd say, well, one of them at least would be Romans chapter 12. And it is both lofty but also practical. We've walked through it. We talked about in the first section about being the best version of you, about uh, do not conform to the world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds and to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit as we sort of uh, metamorphosize, is literally the word, to be transformed into The person that God would have us to be. And then we looked at Reigniting the Passion for Faith and Life. And this morning we're looking at these four principles for better relationships. And uh, for those who may recognize this, this actually, this section was turned into a poem back in the 1920s by Max Ehrman. And then it was brought to life by a, a musical rendition where the narrator uh, was Leonard Nimoy. You may recall that. If not, you can find it out there, but it's a beautiful, and sometimes it comes back because it's both uh, lofty and beautiful and poetic, and Paul is at, at his best in sort of guiding us along the way. And so the first principle here is to face persecution with prayer. And listen to what Paul says about facing persecution with prayer. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now... For most of us, we don't face persecution like the Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul spent a number of time in, uh, in prison. Paul was writing to the church at Rome. It's facing real persecution. And uh, there are people who do face persecution today. And it's true that our culture is, uh, is not terribly uh, friendly towards faith sometimes. But we don't live in the kind of persecution they did. But we do face opposition, I think, as individuals and sometimes as group. And so the guidance is even, you know, greater for us to raise the bar on our living and when Paul says to, to bless and to pray for those who persecute you, I don't know if sometimes you're, you're um, tempted to pray like this song. I don't know if anyone out there have heard uh, Jaron Lowenstein's country song. Have you heard this? I love this song because it's so true. It's called The Long Road to Love, and here's part of the lyrics for it. It says, I haven't been in church since I don't remember when. Things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. He said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job, and you just pray for them. And he goes on, I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. (laughs) I pray a flower pot falls down from a windowsill and knocks you in the head, just like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when the engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know whatever, wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I pray for you." Wow. (laughs) Have you ever felt that way? I have. (laughs) That's not what Paul's talking about when he says, bless those who persecute you. And uh, Paul is, and Jesus is, is lifting our sights higher than that, and I think as we look at this this morning, one thing that comes to mind with C.S. Lewis, he talks about prayer, and many times when we think about prayer, we think about going to God and giving God a list of the things we'd like God to change in our world the way we want the list to be. And C.S. Lewis says that the most important thing in prayer is not us changing God but God changing us. Prayer is God changing us. And I think that's so true. And in this instance, it couldn't be truer that God wants to change us through prayer, maybe as we bless others and change the whole circumstance around. There's a great true story told that this young girl was growing up and uh, she was about five years old and she dearly loved her mother and her mother passed away, tragically. And uh, she was heartbroken by that. And um, her father eventually married. Over a year later, father remarried, and um, this girl couldn't help but look at her stepmother and just see her as sort of the interloper for her mother, even though her mother had passed on to her eternal reward. And uh, this stepmother tried her best to win her daughter over, stepdaughter, and it, it just never worked. The daughter would always put up sort of a wall and uh, eventually, the stepmother began to sort of return that back, sort of the uh, intent. And uh, it wasn't a fight, but what it was was this barrier wall between the two. And so finally, this young girl went to her pastor at church, and she said, I just feel like my stepmother is my enemy. And the pastor listened to what she had to say, and he said, you know, uh, your mom is with the Lord, and th- your father loves this woman, and I understand how you feel, and your heart has been broken, but why don't you take the seven-day prayer challenge? And the little girl said, what's the seven-day prayer challenge? He said, well, I want every day, I want you just to pray for the Lord to bless your stepmom, just bless your stepmom and, uh, and see what happens. And so the little girl began to do that, and uh, every day she would just say a little blessing for her stepmom and did tell the Lord what to do just to bless her and pray for her. And, uh, and over time she noticed that things began to thaw between her and her stepmom. Uh, she made a little card for her stepmom for her birthday. She began to do dishes and chores that for favor for her stepmom. And uh, and more than a, a month later, she went back to the pastor, and the pastor said, well, how did the seven-day prayer challenge go? And the little girl said, well, I, I prayed beyond the seven days. And what I found as I prayed each and every day is that I began to see some good things about my stepmom. And She wasn't trying to take the place of, of my mom, but she really loves me. And uh, I began to do little things for her, and she began to do little things back. And you know what? She'll never be my mom the way my mom was, but she's a wonderful person, and she's a wonderful stepmom. The seven-day prayer challenge. Maybe for all of us, sometimes there's someone that you think is an enemy that's not really an enemy. Just tensions have arisen, and walls have been built that that through prayer and through God's blessing, those walls can come down. Paul would challenge us to take the seven-day prayer challenge and more, as would Jesus. So face persecution, whatever that seems to feel like for you, with prayer. Face persecution with prayer. And then to face emotions with empathy. Paul says this, these great words. He said, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. When you think about that this morning, I mean for rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn or weep with those who weep is the way it is for many folks. And what I would say is to face emotions with empathy, to feel what you can feel for whatever the person's in. And many times, sometimes we as Christians can be emotionally tone deaf in hard situations. And what I mean by that is this, and sometimes I've been there and you've been there too, when a person has lost a loved one and we with have the Christian hope of eternal life come and say, well, they're with the Lord. And, uh, and it's true, it's a right note, but it's the wrong tone, maybe, a wrong time, because it is, it's true. Paul said, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Paul said, we do grieve, basically, but we have hope. And sometimes what we need is to grieve and embrace, and certainly whisper the words of hope of eternal life that are there. We have that firm promise of the Lord. But to be able to weep with those who weep is sometimes is a gift. What did Jesus do with Mary and Martha just before He told Lazarus to come forth from the grave? The shortest verse and probably the most powerful verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus shared Mary and Martha's tears. He was willing to weep with those who weep. So take a moment and embrace in as much as you can the sorrows and tears of other people. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, uh, we ourselves are comforted with the Holy Spirit, and we comfort those with the comfort we ourselves have received. Which basically is a way of saying that sometimes the grief and hardship and challenge and adversity that we go through becomes an avenue of ministry down the road in life. And who do you look to when you see someone who's, uh, who has cancer? Many times they'll go to a person who's experienced that very same thing because they know they know it. They don't have all the answers, but they know the heartache and the heartbreak that's there. Or the same with the loss of a loved one. And then to rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, at first, that sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? Well, of course, celebrate with those who celebrate. Rejoice with those who rejoice. But for some of us, can't we become a little envious sometimes when things go well for someone else? Something good happens for them, and we are quietly envious maybe of, of what they have, or the, the trophy, or the award, or the gift, or talent. And Paul is saying to be able to celebrate the good moments that other people are having. And so to be able to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. So face persecution with prayer, face emotions with empathy, and then face pride with humility. And he says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Wow. Well, that's pretty real isn't it sometimes we do get full of ourselves i suppose and and there is a good pride which means uh, feel good about yourself kind of the the gifts and talents that god has blessed you with feel good be able to to use those in a constructive way but then there's the pride that is uh, a bit of a problem, isn't it? Where we get too full of ourselves and we aren't really looking at people around us. Paul says to live in harmony and to have this humility. So face prod with humility. Great story of a professor that I admire and uh, he was young in his career and he had always wanted to have his book published by um, Putnam and so um, he finished his first manuscript, and he went to the office in New York, and he was on his way up, and he pushed the elevator, and the elevator was broken. And so he had to walk the staircase all the way up with his manuscript, but it felt easy, because he was going up to the top floor to give this manuscript over, and so he handed that manuscript over at the the publisher's office, and then as he made his way down the staircase, about halfway down, uh, he saw someone, and it was the janitor. And the janitor said, Marty, is that, is that you? And he said, yeah. And he, and he recognized his friend from back when he was in uh, college. And they didn't know what had happened to him. And so we began to talk to this individual. And um, the individual shared that um, he had some trouble with alcohol. And he had dropped out of college and uh, lost jobs and broken relationships and have this job as a janitor. And things just weren't going well. And so this professor began to say, listen, I I want to encourage you along the way. And so he began to encourage his friend from before to go back to school, which he did, and he got a good job, had relationships that healed. And he later reflected on that and he said, you know, I thought my life was full on the way up those stairs, but the truth is I found a greater fulfillment on the way down because I helped someone up. And I think in our own lives, that's the way we need to be. People that help people up. Celebrate our accomplishments as individuals and as a family of faith, but be people that are willing to pull people up with us. And in so doing, you'll find us one of the greatest joys of life. So face pride with humility. And then finally, to face evil with good. Man, that's hard, isn't it? And this is what Paul writes. I think it's quite beautiful. He said, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Remember Jesus' words in the gospel. "'Be careful to do what right in the eyes of everyone. "'If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, "'live at peace with everyone. "'Do not take revenge, my dear friends, "'but leave room for God's wrath. "'For it is written, it is mine to avenge. "'I will repay,' says the Lord. "'On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. "'If your enemy is thirsty, then give them something to drink.' In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but there's this part in there that I always look at, that part that says, you'll be able to heap burning coals on their head. And I think to myself, oh yeah, if you do good, then God is going to burn their head, right? (laughs) Secretly, you know, you've thought that. That's really not what it means, even though sometimes we think about that. Uh, in scholars debate about what all that means, but one of the things it really means is to cast light in the darkness and to sort of open up their conscience so that God can have a pathway in their heart and mind. And so, to overcome evil with good, you know, that is one of the hardest things to do in all of the world. But Jesus challenged us to do exactly that, to not just love our friends, And to hate our enemies but to love our enemies as well those who would wish us harm those who would do us evil but in doing that sometimes the world is changed in incredible ways what were jesus first words from the cross father forgive them for they know not what they do and that kind of forgiveness that kind of grace that kind of love can overcome all kinds of thing in our world through the power of the holy spirit and the love of jesus christ a story that I love is uh, Pope John Paul II, and back in 1981, he was shot in an assassination attempt four times by a man by the name of Ali Ofuka. Uh, most of the shots occurred in his midsection. Uh, he lost a lot of blood and came close to dying, but before they wheeled him into surgery, the Pope had already offered words of forgiveness to the one who shot him, Ali Ofuka. Later, he got out. It was a long road to recovery for the Pope. You may recall if you go back then. But he wrote and began to correspond to the assassin, Ali Ufuka, who was in prison. And he offered through letters words of forgiveness, and Ali Ufuka never asked for forgiveness. Eventually, the Pope went into prison and met with Ali Ufuka and in person offered him forgiveness. They began to correspond, and Ali of Fuca's life changed. 1987, the Pope went to, to visit Ali of Fuca's mother and family, and they had time together. And finally, in the year 2000, the president of Italy pardoned Ali of Fuca for his crimes and let him out of prison because of the Pope, on behalf of him, going to... The president asking for a pardon. Two months before the Pope's death, they spent time together. The Pope was very ill at the time with the whole family in a time of prayer and forgiveness and grace. And when the Pope died, just two months later, Aliofuca said, What a great friend to my family and everyone. It's hard when grace and love looks like that for all of us. And that kind of thing only happens, I think, through the Holy Spirit. But I think God would challenge us. I think Jesus in the gospel challenged us. Paul certainly challenged us to the very same thing. And Paul knew something, I think, that he would remind us and whisper through the words and pages of history of Paul's own life. And how did Paul's journey of faith begin? when he held the coats for those who stoned Stephen to death. And Stephen looked up to the heavens and offered forgiveness to those who did that. And many people have said that all the Apostle Paul ever did, from all of his sermons, all of his missionary trips, all of his books that come down to his day, we owe to Stephen's prayer of forgiveness for the Apostle Paul. That's the power of forgiveness. You and I might not be Pope John Paul II, or we might not be the Apostle Paul, but you just might be a Stephen, a young man or woman willing to say, I forgive you through God's grace, whatever it takes. And I know it's hard, but it's a struggle, but the Holy Spirit is there to help all of us. Paul gives us some great words, whether you are young kids, older adults, graduating some milestone or wherever you are along life's way. They are words of challenge, but I promise you, friends, they are practical words that do lift our sights high. But if we follow, if we just strive to follow those principles, our world can change. We can be lights in the world. I'm going to close with this thought, which is one of my favorite authors right now. Leadership person is Brene Brown and Brene Brown writes a a lot about leadership and emotions and uh, vulnerability, things like that. And she was relating, she lives in Texas, and she said how she found her way back to church. She'd been away from church a a long time. And she said, you know, I realized that as I just went to the grocery store, which is less than two miles away, and uh, drove along the road, that I could hardly get to the grocery store and back without someone flipping me off. (laughs) not just Texas, it happens in Indiana, too. And and she's going to begin to think about church and realize that, you know, it's not a group of perfect people, but one of the things they did was to pass the peace, that passing of the peace during communion service. And she said, I needed to go to a place where they passed the peace, even though it wasn't perfect people. And so she returned to church, and faith is a part of her life. Whether it's passing the peace or... Offering a word of forgiveness, a word of grace along the way. Jesus, Jesus challenged us to love our neighbors, and Jesus set forth the ultimate example. But Paul echoes the words in this beautiful, practical, poetic passage and challenges us to face persecution with prayer, whatever that persecution may be to you. To face emotions with empathy, the real heartfelt things that we share. To face pride with humility. Remember, Humility comes from the word, it's uh, Latin for broken soil, where growth occurs. And then finally, to face evil with good, the hardest of all. But if we do that, we all can be a candle night through the power of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of Almighty God. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for your word. It is a light for our path and a lamp for our feet. We pray, Lord, that your word would be real in our hearts and lives, and you empower us with your love and your Holy Spirit, that we might walk the way you'd have us, even though at times it is indeed a challenge. But we know that our world needs light, our world needs love, and so help us to be light and love through your holy name. And all God's people said, amen.